trying to think of a catchy intro. Okay. But I don't have a catchy intro. All right. Maybe this is the catchy intro. This is the catchy intro? This is the catchy intro. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focus Compounding, sitting next to Jeff Gannon in our hotel room in Ohio. Jeff, how's it going today? Uh, it's going very well, Andrew. How's it going with you? It's going great. I hope it's going great for everybody else as well. July 4th is coming up, and we'll be working. We'll be together on July 4th. What are we going to do? How are we going to celebrate July 4th? What's I, the most American thing we can do? Uh, well, we'll probably be someplace we can buy fireworks. Should we just go buy a bunch of fireworks and blow them up? They're ever, on the road, we've seen a lot of places, firework tents and, and parking lots and everything like that. We travel to some, we drive through some pretty rural places and stuff with where we go because we sometimes are going out of the way places and uh, we drive. So yeah. we see some things that you wouldn't normally see. And you didn't, I mean, what are fireworks like in New Jersey? Fireworks are not up? allowed in New Jersey, <laughs> yeah. so you have to go over to Pennsylvania to get them. Yeah, that's why I told Jeff, I'm like, they yeah. just take away all the fun, apparently. No, com- commercials always would say things about anything that would like have, you know, cap things and whatever explosive things would be like, uh, blah, 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 not available in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> that is fun. So we are going to be together. So maybe we should do that. That will be, and we're going to be in a very, in an area where probably fireworks are going to be everywhere, I'm sure. So it'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be fun. We hope everyone is going, hope everyone's having a great day. Excited for July 4th. I don't really know. We're just, I don't even know. Half our audience doesn't celebrate July 4th because they're not Americans. That is true. That is true. But um, yeah, don't really know where I'm going with that. But anyways, (laughs) in today's podcast, um, if you like what we are doing here, make sure you hit that subscribe button, both on YouTube and the podcast side of things. This is the last week. Well, actually, I don't know what day it is or when we'll be behind (laughs) We know what day it is. We don't know when you're hearing this. Yeah, I don't know when you're hearing this. So if this is before July 4th, first and you like our backlog make sure you save it um, we're going to come up with different content probably more behind the scenes type of stuff more tailored to them yeah. focus compounding the website will always be like research yes stock focus research. compound so yeah we should explain that focus yeah. compounding the website just stock research or particular specific stocks is nothing into doing with us and anything about our general investing thoughts yeah. or anything it's just me doing write-ups okay and then um uh, so you like a write a big apple bagel or dover motorsports whatever that's the kind of thing you'll see um, and then focus compounding premium thing, whatever that is behind the scenes, uh, stuff and all that, but also you'll get a focus compounding daily email for, you know, whatever you want to call that, uh, not email, uh, there'll be a post up there. Yeah. Eventually there'll be a page that yeah, members... we're thinking, we're thinking of different ways. I mean, maybe we could do like a, a vlog for everybody or something like that. Yeah. Just different types of content. I think the way I envision it, almost like if we had like a Facebook page, but it's not going to be through Facebook where we, no, just, we vetoed that idea. Yes, we did where we could continuously upload, you know, stuff and just really interact with people. So focus compounding will be stock write up specific. And then, uh, for people that sign up on the premium of the podcast, it's going to be eight, about eight bucks a month. You'll be able to get access to the backlog over 200 episodes. And then we're going to just have different i guess more personal type of content whatever that is yeah but and, still the, educational and the, fun. the investing stuff that i write up yeah for the um not specific stocks but the general investing stuff yeah mm-hmm. um like answering questions that kind of stuff yeah so in today's podcast it's titled do as we say or do as we do times when we've broken our own rules and it's yeah. interesting because people talk about buffett they say don't listen to what he says watch what he does okay and how sometimes his public comments maybe would be a lot different if, you know, they're private, which is pretty much like everybody. But they just say, you know, don't oh. watch what he uh, says or don't listen to what he says. Watch what he does. Right. So okay. when he's talking about, you know, America, a lot of people, have, you know, criticize him because of his cash hoard and everything like that. You know, uh-huh. um, uh, you know, a lot of people are probably looking to see what he's going to do with that. But anyways, uh, so let's talk about times that we've broken our rules. Okay. 
the rule on the rule list should always be no one to break the rules. I think that's the most important rule. Right. The rules are guidelines. Exactly. Guidelines, not rules. That's right. Yeah, so we have guidelines. Like guidelines, yeah. We have, I guess, sort of these filters that we okay. go through, this well, process that right. we stick to. And there's also maybe I say things to people on the podcast like more, or in emails, more like definitively, uh, don't do that. Like yeah. just because the outcome could be so bad and yet I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And so we could talk about those too. Let's do it. All right. So some of those have to do with frauds. So one thing I'll probably, I hope we don't have a, list, a lot of listeners in Nevada, but um, we are banned I, from I, Nevada. I've said many times to be a little careful about companies that are incorporated in Nevada. I've also uh, said, be careful about companies in China. Uh, and when I say that, I mean things like Chinese reverse mergers into the US. I mean things about companies that may have switched their incorporation to Nevada for reasons that, you know, like having to do with protections in cases of fraud or whatever, things like that. So obviously don't mean a company that is from Nevada. Um, and we'll invest in companies there, right? Uh, I mean, companies incorporated there, even though they're in completely different states. Uh, but in those cases, we did additional research about the people involved and about the um, company and its history and did things to kind of get comfortable with it. And you could do the same thing. So you could absolutely break this rule of any rule that kind of is a red flag, whether it's an auditor that I'd be worried about or a state of incorporation or whatever, if you then go on and do the research to establish for yourself that there these are honest people involved and things like that. Um, and then if, sometimes we find the reverse. Of course, I'm not going to publicly talk about those things. I like the Buffett rule of don't criticize uh criticize as a group not individually right you praise individually and don't criticize individuals so we won't mention ones of that but sometimes i mean you were reading a presentation um not that long ago that i had sent you from something a very very old presentation it has nothing to do with mm-hmm. the company today and you're like oh my god this is what it looks like like this is what it looks like when people really fall for a fraud like yeah. this is what a fraud uh presentation looks like it's nothing like a real company and it's like this is insane mm-hmm. right and so sometimes even, you come the, across even that. the way i'm like these adjectives they're using to right. describe this yeah. is like incredible as well yeah just it's very not like written by lawyers for lawyers mm-hmm. it's not even like that it's just like it's very promotional exactly and like and i'll say it sounds like our president talking <laughs> about it <laughs> yeah it's very vague that way but but it like technically not lying in a lot of things no no you know it's well, like very promotional you like, know holy smokes it would yeah. be like if you owned a um minor league baseball team and you were like comparable in many ways to new york yankees yeah no totally. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like wait really is it though yeah you know? and you include it just as a bullet point or whatever yeah you know? yeah things like that so uh, so when you meet people or you f- you dig up all this information about them find news reports whatever do they sound like people that would be most of the people you come across in life and stuff or do they sound like if you want to say our president if that's what you want a salesman do they want salesman, a, a showman and a salesman yeah, and and those sorts of things does that what they sound like and if that's what they sound like then you got to be a bit more careful mm-hmm. um you know but do they sound like someone who's not selling you anything and and who's not you know that's not their training and stuff yeah well it's really like you know buffett and munger always talk about they're just trying to get the facts even when they read annual reports right they mm-hmm. you know they're trying to get the facts the figures and in this certain presentation that we're talking about yeah. yes there was facts and figures in there but there was also a lot of color about other stuff sure. i was like holy cow i can't believe they're and a lot of this in there. yeah like i warned about other times the comparing that's very popular to compare because the netflix meets best buy meets right. apple yeah, yeah those tautologies that way yeah they're they're common because it's kind of true 
yes, you are like it in some ways, just like the example I said. Yeah, minor league baseball team is comparable in many ways to the New York Yankees, just not in any of the ways that creates value to make a lot of money for shareholders, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, but with the Nevada situation, yeah. right, that's not like a hard stop. That's just something that should stick out to you. And then it's just finding out more. That's like a good point to start to be like, okay, well, like in our situation, uh, everything they're doing today is different than how the company um, came public, if you will, right? Yeah, in this sure. example that we're talking about. So it's yeah. not even relevant to what they were doing, you know, 15 years ago. Right. But that's why you have to kind of break the rule because you wouldn't know that unless you investigate it. Whereas yeah. I'm saying to people as a warning, I often say to them, you know, when they bring me things, uh, unfortunately, I, people do bring me a lot of things that could be frauds. And I do say like, you know, be careful. And, you know, to some extent you can cross these things off. You will limit your opportunities, but it does mean that you will eliminate the possibility. It, usually, it's it's not always possible to tell the difference between like a, something on the gray line of whether it is or isn't doing things wrong or not. But it is very easy, I think, to find things where there's it's just not a fraud at all. There's no chance. You know what I mean? Like identifying frauds aren't that easy, I, I would say. But seeing tons of things which just aren't doing anything promotional like that is what I mean. You know, they don't even care to try to do those things. You can tell just by reading the presentations. Yeah. You know, um, so another one I mentioned before is I complained about people buying things in bankruptcy stuff. I spent hours and hours i mean over days but like hours and hours and hours i don't know how many investigating a situation that was in bankruptcy recently uh in the last year yeah yeah Uh, and like talk to people about it and all sorts of things and um i came to the conclusion that some information i had read elsewhere from a secondary source was wrong and relying on primary sources about the legal case and what had happened I realized that there was no way the common stockholders would get money. So what's that secondary source? Well, I'm is not going to criticize I know, but like, I know, but what are you talking about? Is it like another company? Is that a person? What are you talking about? What is that? Someone reporting about the company. Okay. So like a media reports, basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That it was incorrect. Okay. Um, so financial media reports are incorrect. What has since happened? Uh, oh, well, that's a good question. Uh, we could... Uh, do I want to name it and stuff? I don't know I'm if I want. No, I don't, lesson. I don't. I don't want to draw attention to a, a. I don't want to draw attention to a stock that is worthless. I just don't want to do that. What if someone buys it even after we tell them not to buy it? Then we said don't buy it. I, I don't want. I don't want to put that speculation. You're letting down a lot of people right now. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. I've so mentioned anyways. it before. It's a lawsuit involving Boeing. If you can find the counter, the the party that was um, that was uh, suing Boeing for a large amount uh, that's in bankruptcy, that's the company. Okay. So, but I didn't want to talk about it. But what had happened was something else bought them, and my understanding is that because of that, the common shareholders won't get anything. Now, I, I also think that they didn't win the court case in the way, or they did. Uh, I'm sure that their lawyer said they won the court case. I don't know how lawyers decide this. But they didn't get awarded the kind of money that would be needed to to do a lot of good. However, that really doesn't matter because by the probabilities, I you could have bought the stock. So let's say that this media report that I read was true, right? If true, you could have bought the stock and if there was like a 1% chance that they would win this case or something, it would be worth it. I mean, something insane like yeah. that. Because it was trading at a fraction at a hundreds of thousands of dollars or something let's say uh or tens of thousands of dollars i think it was hundreds of thousands at the time the entire market cap of the company right hundreds of thousands of dollars and yet the award would certainly have been in the hundreds of millions or something like that you know um it certainly would have been more than tens of millions so because of that 
you have this huge opportunity, right? If, if the case was in question and reading the case, <laughs> it was definitely in question. I don't want to criticize any company specifically, but Boeing did some very, very bad things. And, um, so at weirdly, I had experience with another court case that involved the same stuff. It, they destroyed evidence they ordered people to destroy evidence basically. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, they dispute that or whatever, but that's clearly what happened. And I had another company, I almost invested in another company that did the same thing. They ordered people to destroy evidence. It's like from Succession when uh, you, you you haven't watched Succession. That's a show that you would like. Okay. That is a show that you would like. But when they, um, who is it? They order Greg, my favorite character, mm-hmm. to destroy evidence for the company. It's funny. Anyway. Well, this one, and in both cases, I think what they claim, of course, is they got it's a tough. list of evidence of what they were supposed to preserve mm-hmm. and somehow a mistake was made in the communication from one person to another oh, sure. and they started destroying oh, the yeah. they're yeah. supposed to preserve. Yeah. <laughs> so um it's weird when that happens isn't yeah it? on that really important document yeah but i want to be careful on that because there's actual specific people at boeing who might have like risks to them personally sure. and, and stuff from that in terms of who you know they're named in the in the um in the court case and stuff about who told who to do what and all that stuff. And I'm not sure that they're all protected from legal um, risks to them still. Mm -hmm. So I think it's still an ongoing thing for all of them. Uh What are some other situations where you've broken your rules? Okay. And it's worked out. Oh, and it's worked out. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know that it's worked out in the Nevada case and stuff. I don't know that it's worked out. I mean, have you ever invested in Nevada corporation in the past? Well, and do you want to explain to people maybe okay. that are just learning about Nevada corporations why that's a warning sign? So companies can generally pick... It's not even a warning sign. It's just something to look out for, right? That's it. Do more research on it. Sure. So it's the same as the China thing. Yeah. So why is a Chinese company listing in the US and stuff? I mean, there are some giant Chinese companies that do it. There might be a logic to it, but why are you doing it? it it's easier to do th- things there. Um, it's easier to fool people and stuff that way. So the Nevada thing is basically just that... Um, a company can basically pick three places they want to be incorporated. That would make sense. They could either incorporate in their home state, which would be logical and usually where companies do it the first time unless they have lawyers who tell them you're going to be a big company one day, don't do that and stuff. Or um, they can incorporate in Delaware, Mm -hmm. which uh, gives them certain things that might help them and could be a benefit to them versus U.S. shareholders a little bit. But for the most part, is mainly about speeding up some... uh, handling of of business cases and stuff it's it, there's a bunch of stuff that would be more predictable if it happens in delaware than other places and then um the other place they could do it is nevada those are kind of the three that they pick and nevada i would say offers the best protection against them committing fraud as compared to delaware it almost or many insulates other states. the executives right and for not them not personally being um uh held responsible for actions that i would say they took but they would say the company took um, so the, the protection that's offered as a shield, the corporation, it, it's as if the corporation did these acts and not them personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what are some other times though? Like, let's talk about valuation. Mm-hmm. Do you have any hard set rules on valuation? Right. So that's a good one. We own one stock that violates rules about valuation. Okay. I know. Accounts we manage own one stock. Over the counter markets. We actually did a recent podcast on that. Yeah. And uh, talked about that because generally speaking, you don't want to pay more than what 15 times you think their earnings power is correct yeah and in that i think the stock is trading for like 25 yeah. times earnings it's been or something 20 like to 25 that. times now and i guess you should use ev to free cash flow really and all that stuff but um go watch the video on youtube if you haven't we went through it with quick fs and actually the comment was that was one intense session of knowledge 
A lot of people seem to like that one of breaking down where the return can come from. Okay, good. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm hopeful about it. Uh, I think, you know, here's the thing. On the math that I do, it works out. And Buffett said that before, that the ones that are the ones that almost the numbers tell you not to do it Mm -hmm. are the best. Because you like the business so much. Yeah. Yeah, and I can prove to myself by writing down on a piece of paper um, what I expect the business to return and those sorts of things. So let's say, for instance, let's say it was a 4% free cash flow yield, okay? Well, if I think the company can grow 6% a year or something, then even if the multiple stays the same, it can return 10%. And how much has it grown recently and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know... Because the majority of the... the free cash flow conversion. Yeah, do they show what the EB to free well. cash flow is right now? Uh, twenty times. Twenty times. So five percent. Mm-hmm. So so let's say hypothetically, and I'm not saying this is what it is, but say hypothetically, I thought it would grow seven percent a year. Okay, mm-hmm. because of the way the company works, it, it, look at the returns on in invested capital. It it has infinite returns on invested yeah. capital. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, it will grow. That would have a return of like twelve percent a year. Okay, even though it's trading at without any multiple expansion. And then also the company actually buys back some stock. And so if I thought it was a little bit cheap, Mm -hmm. let's say hypothetically, I thought it would grow 7% a year. I thought the market would return 8% a year, let's say total return. I think this will have a 12% total return if the multiple doesn't expand or contract. They're buying back their own stock. So that's getting a 12% return on top of that into it instead of paying me a dividend. So it's actually even more valuable than if they paid it all out in dividends, blah, blah, blah. It's just, you can see that, but I have to be right. And that's the issue. The issue is not so much that you, it never makes sense to pay 20 or 25 times earnings. It does if you're not wrong. On the business. It, on the business. But if I'm wrong on this business and competition comes in or whatever happens and it falls apart, the, it deteriorates, you know? Or what if it starts needing to have capital or whatever, you know? If I'm wrong on that, if the margins contract, if it can't price the way, if it can't retain its customers, if it can't keep its prices as high or higher, and if it has to put capital in the business, if any of those things are true, then... I'll lose money on this one. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reasons, I believe that I think that I know the business well enough to know they won't have to add capital to the business, that they won't lose customers over time, and that they can keep prices the same or raise them over time. Yeah, they reported earnings, and they bought back a lot of stock uh, last quarter, and they were pretty insulated from COVID, mm-hmm. which was interesting. Yeah. I'd rather it was cheaper. Maybe we'd have bought more if it was cheaper and stuff. But, you know, I have to make do with the choices that I have. Mm-hmm. So I did buy this preferring it over some things that have P's of 10 or something. So it shows you how much I like the business. Mm-hmm. So you broke your rule. I did. Broke some rules. What are some other rules? What about um, hmm, when it comes to management? Are there any rules with that or is that pretty much a hard stop? If I don't like management. Huh. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I've investigated some very so deeply. So let's say you don't like management, but there's a activist involved or somewhere. Maybe right. you could have a controlled right. position I, in it. Sure. I, I've investigated some like that, yeah. Uh, there are some where I am ambivalent about management and bought into them. And I always regretted it. <laughs> really? So far. So far. Yeah. I think. Yeah. No, I mean, there might be some very cheap stocks or something where that's true, but but there's a couple ones and we sort of hinted at them before where I, I don't I um yeah, I, I don't like management that mm-hmm. that much or whatever. Or I didn't I don't know if I don't like management. I didn't feel management was communicating I don't know. I, I felt management maybe wasn't that realistic. I don't mean that they were terrible people or something, but they had ideas that I, I didn't think were that um Realistic. I think it's important to have very uh, good idea of what's actually uh, reported, like having a seeing the world as it is, not as you want to see it. There you go. That's you know that's one of my best advice. I asked Samir Patel 
Ascalon Capital when he came on the podcast. Yeah. I said, what's the best advice anyone's ever given me? Or something like that. Uh-huh. And he thought about it and he said, really thinking long and hard if you're seeing the world for the way that it is or the way that you want to see it. I like that. I wow. really like that too. I've, I've actually. I'm amazed I've, that you like that. <laughs> I've, I've taken it. I've you taken have? it as You've myself. That's okay. right. Why are you amazed that I like that? Was that? I mean, mean, this is a podcast that you start all the time by saying it's the number one value investing podcast That's in the world. The truth. Okay. All right. All right. No dispute by, there. By quality, not by uh, by everything. Okay. By everything. But so management. Right. Yeah. The, uh, yes. Um, and it's always I at the time I buy and stuff I know it's the marginal stock. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it, in the portfolio. I've never thought there hasn't been one where I thought this is the best stock in the portfolio. And it mm. turns out not to be, if we have six or seven stocks it's always, I would rank it sixth or seventh of how sure I was of it. Um, Here's an interesting one. What about the shareholder base? How often, because whenever we talk to management, mm-hmm. we always ask them, um, you know, what their shareholders think or what do they think about running yeah. a public company? Kind of like from that perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are your thoughts ever on like, do you ever think about the shareholder base in certain companies? Who yeah. owns it? Yeah. I'm thinking, uh, I, I've also broken my rule a couple of times about share turnover and it hasn't worked that well so far either in that. So apparently that's a combination thing of uh, a too active shareholder base with uh, management I don't like as much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do think about the shareholder base sometimes, sure. Do you ever feel more safe in a stock if there's another large investor in it uh i mean i would only if i didn't like management <laughs> yeah yeah if i didn't like management then the number of uh votes that the parties that could do something about it had yeah would, what, would be helpful what do you think is the number one rule like the biggest rule that you've broken um where it worked out for you um Hmm. I, I guess, um, well, I I don't know. I have suggested to people, okay. So on this podcast at times, I've kind of suggested you don't really need to buy a stock that's lost money. Uh, I mean, I've, I've even gone as far as saying like, you can just limit yourself to stocks that made money for 10 straight years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've had great success with companies that have made money for decades and decades and decades. And then they have a year that they lose money and I think they'll go right back to making money. If you buy them at that moment, then it's great success. And I've had that like twice where a stock had made money, a company had made money consistently. Uh, I mean, pro- was profitable every single year for 30 years at least. And then big loss. And I bought it on the big loss. Now, what was the big loss? I thought in both cases of- it was unrelated. It was one screw up, you know, Got it. you know, one one thing that they bet big on one thing and it didn't work out. So in one case they bet big on something that wasn't core to the business. On the other one, it was a, um, you know, product launch, bet the company on the product kind of thing. You only launch one of these products every four or five years or whatever, and um, people didn't buy it. Mm-hmm. But the next time they had another product that launched a few years later and stuff, and then people bought that one, you know. So, I mean, they, they messed up that one time, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm just kind of curious. I mean, because sometimes it's like you break the rules and it works out, right? right. That could be dangerous. Right, because then you learn to break the rules. Exactly. Yeah, I I think that's very true. Uh, the one that that would be most risky for mm, a lot of people, probably myself included, but I mean, I was always careful about it, I guess, is um, with debt. Mm-hmm. Okay, because if you happen to buy something that's heavily, heavily leveraged 
and you're right about it and it works out, you'll make this really great return. But you are going to lose everything one time when you do this, if, if you do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So those value stocks that are very, you know, uh, that are under amount of debt. And so you're betting on the sliver of equity being worth something, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas there's a, you know, like good the chance the tax of the world. Sure. Things like that, um, yeah. You know, more cyclical things like that. So those are sort of the horror, the horror stories you hear in the value world. Is you know companies like that that actually like go into bankruptcy. You yeah, know, something doesn't work out and they're smoked. Yeah, I don't even know if Craft Tech. I can't remember if they had debt or not. I don't think so. they had some. Yeah, they, they had some debt. They yeah, did. Actually, okay. yeah. But um, yeah. And then I guess my biggest rule always is the one about avoiding things that have the competition things. And we talk mm-hmm. about that a lot. And that's sometimes hard to judge, you know. But we have talked about that. They're like we were talking about an industry where the stock will grow faster for almost certainly the company will grow faster than most of the companies we own and everything. And while you think that is a great thing, I'm always saying I'm worried about it because everyone's excited about the industry. And you know, that actually worries me. There's all these new entrants. There's always, you know, mm-hmm. venture capital things want to be in it. People want to acquire it. Like that's one well, of the because things people could operate as a freemium in the industry. Right, right, right. And you, you have said yeah. that, um, when you've come across, that's almost been a rule for you. Yes. Right. There's been times where you've seen like, you know, the situation is an end, um, you know, great is when, okay, so you have an industry, everyone's excited about it, it's venture capital back. Mm-hmm. And then companies come in and offer a freemium model of some sort. And that's their competition. Yes. To a premium model. Yep. And if just, and if companies are being funded without needing to earn money, that always worries me a lot. And, and the thing is people, investors get excited about it because they figure you'll get bought, your company you're investing will get bought out at some point. Mm -hmm. One of the big companies will buy you because everyone wants to be part of this industry. And that is one that I've definitely thought about and have been on the fence about before, because on the one hand, I, if I think it's a really good business now and has growth, that's great. But maybe the business is changing a lot. I mean, a business won't look, an industry won't look like it's changing much. But if you have a bunch of new entrants come in, it will. Mm-hmm. You know, that'll suddenly change it. So if people are willing to write blank checks for you to to open up some kinds of companies, then, you know, yeah, there'll be experimentation and customers might like that better. Mm-hmm. Is it kind of weird, though? Like, for example, we always talk about competition, mm-hmm. right? And you like banks. And mm-hmm. in theory, there's an unlimited amount of competition. Correct. Unlimited amount of banks. Absolutely. Absolutely. But but not all banks are ran the same, right? No. Yes. Deposits are different. So what I care about, here's the thing. I think I define competition differently. Like a peer is not a competitor. A competitor is someone who can take business from you. So like there's, is there, how much competition is there in elevators? How much competition is there in ad agencies and stuff? I don't know how much competition. I mean, if we go in and we talk to banks or let's say we were talking to they're not publicly traded but let's say we're talking to law firms and auditor uh, you know and accounting firms and things like that how much would they really talk to us about their comp their competitors their peers right and in fact if they did they talk as much about their employees being poached as anything else they would not generally say that if they do a great job with their clients that they're really worried that they're going to lose them to um competitors mm-hmm. But if we go into a, a retail type situation, they are much more worried about that and stuff. Yeah, like so, Android comes out with something new and right. their customers want it. Yeah. So it's related heavily to retention, customer retention. How easily can you retain your customer? And there's plenty of ones that we talk to that in theory have a lot of competition, right? But they will say, look, if, um, it, if we... If the place across the street charges 20 basis points less than we do for some service, okay, and we lose a client to that, 
then there's something wrong with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't be the kind of business we should have brought in in the first place and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, but absolutely, I agree with that. If, you, if someone was trying to say to me, buy into a business because they have the lowest possible rates on something. I mean, one thing, I get lots of questions about brokerage, uh, online brokers and stuff. And when you get down to the point where you're not charging for trades anymore, yeah. you know, that's the a level of competition that worries, you know, that is a level of competition that can worry me. But a lot of people, exactly, a lot of people won't, switch brokers but it is easy it's an ACAT it's like five days not even and then you're there right but it's like the example we were right. talking about Richard Branson's life mm-hmm. and we were talking about you know you were telling me about one of his books that you like yeah. and how um, you know they started like Virgin Cola or their own version of it right and, and you were talking about that yeah uh, Buffett has talked about Coca-Cola is so great because you could give somebody else, what do you say, $100 billion yeah. or whatever, and they wouldn't be able to, you know, outcompete Coca-Cola yeah. or at least start their, you know, a similar business. And you were telling me how uh, Richard Branson, they had their own soda. And even by blind taste test, people yes. actually liked his version more. Right. But when it came to actually selecting it, the Coca-Cola brand held up. That's the thing about the competition. So I think that's a really great one. And what he said about it basically is, um, that he realized the mistake was that he thought that by being a taste, if they won their taste test by a little bit versus Coke, you know? So what he said basically was they liked ours better in the taste test, but you know what? Coke scored pretty well in the taste test. They liked our prices being a bit lower, but you know what? They didn't think Coke's prices were too expensive and they really liked the Coke brand too, you know, but they were already drinking Coke. But even if they liked our brand, even the people who liked the Virgin brand kind of liked the Coke brand, you know, he, what he was saying is what he learned was you want to be in the businesses like they hate their uh, telecom company that they have, you know, they the incumbent the telecom. They hate the airlines. They hated British Airways, you know, those sorts of things. That's the, who you want to compete against. You don't want to ever compete against trying to steal a customer from someone who's like, I'm mostly satisfied. Because even those customers, even when they believe that the bank across the street might be a little bit better on a bunch of scores, they're like, I'm already at a place where I'm satisfied. I say that a lot about like um, banks, certainly insurers, it's true. The reason people leave them is there's a mistake made. And ad agencies is 100 percent true. There's some they're dissatisfied for some reason. So they they mess up something with the client. And then in that moment, someone who's been trying to woo them for a really long time, you know, keeping in touch with them and remember we're here and stuff, when you're not satisfied, does win the business at that point. Mm-hmm. But it's not the case that someone who who's otherwise satisfied is like, you know, that place is charging me a little bit less, right? But that's an ongoing sort of thing. So I do like those kinds of things. And so it doesn't bother me, no, if you have a high retention rate. I'm worried about competition for each specific customer that way. And so if there's a business that has very high retention rates, even though it's very fragmented industry, I'm okay with that. But no, if there's an industry where they're like everyone switches. Well, the example I give about that is like gyms and, and weight loss programs and things. But gyms, not only are there a lot of them. But there's very few people who stayed loyal to one gym and only one gym for a long time. And that's really scary when you talk to people, like if you ask them about gym. So if you ask someone about, well, tell me about which bank, why you like this bank and why you don't like another one or why you like this website host and why you don't like another one. Everyone just tells us about that one because they've been using it for 20 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if we said gyms, they'd be like, oh, well, I've used four or five. I can tell you about all the different ones. That's a really bad sign. Sure. That they've sampled a bunch of different things. Even I'm in that boat. I can name like four different, five yeah. different gyms. So that, that, used, that's, you know? that's not a, that's a business with too much competition if that's true. Instead of one where you say, oh, I've only used that one, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with Jeff and I on the Focus Compounding Podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button both on YouTube and the podcast side of things. A rating and review goes a very long way. 
Um, if you like everything that we are doing here and you like our backlog, make sure you download all the podcasts because on July 1st, only 20 of the most recent podcasts will be available. The rest will be about eight bucks behind a paywall. And we're going to think of other content as well to make it more worthwhile for people that do become premium to the podcast. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in and we will see you in the next podcast.